Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. During his ministry, Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is the body of Christ. Through his messages, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. If we were embarking on a mission to preach the gospel, surely we would expect the Holy Spirit to assist us, even empower us. But Acts tells us that the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus was forbidding the Apostle Paul from doing just that. It's a surprising story that's full of spiritual insight when we dig into it. Stay with us today for a rich and enlightening life study of the Bible with Witness Lee. This program is furnished by Living Stream Ministry, and again, we'll bring you recorded excerpts from the spoken ministry of Witness Lee, who together with Watchman Nee in China in the 1930s and 40s, preached the gospel, and were also under the leading of the Spirit of Jesus. Ron Kangas is with us again as we look into chapter 16. Ron, welcome back. This is an interesting chapter, isn't it? It is an interesting chapter with some amazingly crucial points. There is an interesting storyline to this chapter, and it's somewhat easy to read it rather casually and come away with a feeling that we have a pretty good understanding of what's being presented. But we've seen that this kind of understanding, though not wrong, it's not complete. It's not thorough. We're going to focus on the story and many of its implications in our program today. And we want to spend a little time looking at just two verses, and we hope to get far beyond the surface of these two verses. I'm speaking about verse 6 and verse 7 of chapter 16. And they passed through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, yet the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And by passing Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul during the night, a certain man, A Macedonian was standing and entreating him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, we immediately endeavored to go forth into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to announce the gospel to them. Ron, say something, if you would, about the background of the story here. Well, Paul is continuing his journey of ministry to spread the gospel the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of the glory of Christ, to hitherto unevangelized territories in what we know today as Europe. Before he was sent out on such a ministry journey, he had been in his pursuit of the Lord and in his church life in Antioch, he had been constituted into a certain kind of person, a person increasingly saturated and permeated with Christ as the life-giving Spirit, and who lived and served not according to 
the law or the rituals from the Old Testament, but was more and more fully in God's New Testament economy. Therefore, as he is on the journey with his co-workers, he is this kind of person. And we're told that as he and his co-workers attempted to move in one direction, the Holy Spirit stopped them, would not allow them to go. Then not long thereafter, they tried to go to another direction, and the Spirit of Jesus prohibited them. We will, in this program, devote much necessary attention to these two designations of the Divine Spirit, the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus. Why are these terms mentioned in these verses? What do they reveal concerning where Paul is and what Paul is with respect to the transition, the dispensational transfer out of the Old Testament economy into the New Testament economy? The light here that is based absolutely on the written Word of God is truly astounding. We need to pause We need to inquire of the Lord, why is the term Holy Spirit used? Not the Spirit of God, nor the Spirit of Jehovah. What is its significance? Then, why is the expression, the Spirit of Jesus, used? What's the relationship between the Spirit of Jesus to the Spirit of God and to the Holy Spirit? These are profoundly significant matters, and the neglect of them or the misunderstanding of them exposes the dire, almost heart-rending need among Christians, including Bible expositors and theologians, to reconsider the significance of this portion of Acts in relation to the central theme of Acts, the dispensational transfer for the carrying out of God's New Testament economy. These two titles, the Holy Spirit in verse 6 and the Spirit of Jesus in verse 7, that's really the focus of Witness Lee's message today. Let's join him. Have you noticed in this forbidding and not allowing, firstly, the title, the Holy Spirit, was used. Then eventually, Luke turned from the Holy Spirit to the Spirit of Jesus. This is very strange. Could you see this? In the whole Bible, especially in the Old Testament, you could see the Spirit of God, beginning from Genesis 1. In God's creation, the Spirit of God brooded over the dead water. Then later on, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God was called the Spirit of Jehovah. Quite often. But you have to realize, the Holy Spirit was never used in the Old Testament. The most 
in Psalm and Isaiah a few times this title was used the spirit of holiness not the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament mainly the title of God's Spirit was the Spirit of God and then the Spirit of Jehovah now in this chapter firstly it didn't say the Spirit of God, neither the Spirit of Jehovah, but the Holy Spirit. The first time that this divine title, the Holy Spirit, was used was at the time of the Lord Jesus' conception. When he was conceived, raised, and by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, this title, was the first time used in Matthew. And then in Luke 1, so when you understand the first usage of the Holy Spirit, you have to realize this is very much connected and involved with the Lord's incarnation. You see, Jesus was a man, but a man crucified and resurrected and ascended to the heavens who has been made Lord and Christ. So you could realize the spirit of Jesus here involves much more than the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is only involved with the incarnation, the birth of the Lord Jesus. But the spirit of Jesus involves his humanity, his human living, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. Now you could see that uh, the apostles move in the evangel work was altogether not by, strictly speaking, the spirit of God. It was by the Holy Spirit who is involved with the Lord's incarnation and by the Spirit of Jesus who is involved with the Lord's humanity, human living, death, resurrection, and ascension. In other words, these two divine titles strongly indicated that Paul's move in his evangelical work was not something in the old dispensation way. If it was, the Spirit of God should be mentioned. The Spirit of Jehovah should be mentioned. But here, neither the Spirit of God nor the Spirit of Jehovah was mentioned. But the Holy Spirit involved with the Lord's incarnation and the Spirit of Jesus involved with the Lord's humanity, human living, death, resurrection, and ascension. This all together, a new move in God's New Testament economy. And we all have to realize God's New Testament economy is altogether a matter carried out by the Lord's incarnation, humanity, human living, Dead, resurrection, and ascension. 
Well, Ron, the burden of Witness Lee, it seems in this message, is very much to see in detail and with clarity the significance of these two divine titles of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus. What is the significance of these terms, and why do you believe they are specifically used in this particular context in Acts? I will comment um, as best I can, but before I do, I would particularly urge our listeners to acquire and to study the written message in the life study of Acts. It's well worth um, much pondering and prayerful consideration. Okay, these two terms, the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus, are not found in the Old Testament. The expression, the Spirit of the Holy, something along that line, may be found in one of the prophets, but it is in the New Testament and particularly with respect to the incarnation of Christ, the Son of God, that the designation Holy Spirit is used. Especially in Luke, the Holy Spirit would come upon the Virgin, and the Son of God would come forth from her. So the designation, the Holy Spirit, applies specifically to Christ's incarnation and his humanity. The term, the Spirit of Jesus, is even more profound. The Spirit of Jesus. I would remind our listeners, Paul also speaks elsewhere of the Spirit of Christ and the Spirit of Jesus Christ. These terms are full of meaning. The Spirit of Jesus surely refers to the Divine Spirit, the Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit, but it is specifically called the Spirit of the God-Man Jesus, implying and including six elements, incarnation, humanity, human living, the Lord's crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. All these elements are included in the term, the Spirit of Jesus. Now, based on this, we need to point out two other matters. The fact that these terms are applied to Paul and his co-workers as they are endeavoring to spread the gospel of the kingdom indicates that they are moving not merely by the Spirit of God or by the Spirit of Jehovah, but according to the New Testament economy, they're moving according to the direction of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus. This indicates they have been transferred fully into the New Testament economy. The other matter concerns Paul as a person, his constitution, his makeup, as a genuine son of God, a God-man. He, with his co-workers, was not only led and directed by the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus, he and they were constituted with such a spirit. He was a person 
filled and saturated with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus. He then moved according to the direction of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus. When we put all of this together, we see a very significant turning point and development in the flow of thought in Acts, because here is a dividing line, a crucial turn, fully into God's New Testament economy, where Paul was and the religionists were not. You mentioned these six items of the Holy Spirit that are comprised of the combination of these two terms, the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus. That's really going to be Witness Lee's focus in this last short section. And I think at the end of it, we'll all be very much impressed with the relevance of these terms. Let's join him. God's New Testament economy has been carried out by Christ, incarnation, humanity, human living, death, resurrection, and ascension. The Spirit now, who is called first the Holy Spirit and then the Spirit of Jesus, is just the totality, the ultimate consummation of uh, Christ's incarnation, humanity, human living, death, resurrection, and ascension. When you have this Holy Spirit, who is now the Spirit of Jesus, you have the incarnated Christ. And you have the Christ in humanity. And you have Christ who lived on the earth. And you have Christ in his death, crucifixion. And you have Christ in his resurrection. And you have Christ in his ascension. I tell you, this Holy Spirit, who is also the Spirit of Jesus, is the totality of this pneumatic Christ. And this pneumatic Christ is altogether constituted with these few constituents. What constituents? Incarnation, humanity, human living, death, resurrection, and ascension. In the entire universe, in history, there had never been one that has ever been qualified to possess these six qualifications. Incarnated, inhumanity, living a human life, died on the cross, and resurrected from among the dead, and ascended to the heavens. You think about it. In the entire universe, there had never been such a one who is so qualified with incarnation, humanity, human living, death, resurrection, and ascension. Who could be so qualified, dear saints? No other one but Jesus Christ. So, the spirit of Jesus is just the realization of these qualified Jesus. The spirit of Jesus is just the totality, the realization of such an all-inclusive dear one. Hallelujah. Now, you can see that this apostle was moving in there the direction of such a spirit. A spirit 
who is the totality of this all-inclusive Christ? Well, Paul Barnabas were concerned to turn to some side. They were forbidden by the Spirit of God? No. By the Spirit of Jehovah? No. By what Spirit? By the Holy Spirit who carried out the conception of the Savior. And they were thinking to turn on the side, but they were not allowed by the Spirit of God, of Jehovah? No. But by the Spirit of Jesus. Now, thus far, up to the very juncture in chapter 16, this Jesus is the one who was in humanity, who lived the human life on this earth for the 32 and a half years, who died an all-inclusive death, and who resurrected from among the dead to propagate God's divine life to all his believers, and who ascended to heavens to be made Lord and Christ. I tell you, this Jesus, this Jesus, the spirit here, who did not allow the apostle to go that way, is the spirit of this Jesus. So this spirit is just totality. The full realization of this all-inclusive Jesus. And this proves that the apostle was moving under the direction, the guiding of such an all-inclusive spirit. It surely is impressive to see that this crucial and major move of the Lord on the earth for his spreading is not being led by the Spirit in a general way, but by the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus incorporating all of these six marvelous items. This is the kind of development of the apparent minor items that the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee is particularly noted for. You alluded to this a little while ago. I'd like to ask you to come back to this point. From your background and your study and your familiarity with the various schools of Christian theology, is this the kind of distinction that would likely be made in modern theology? I don't claim to have an exhaustive knowledge of all the latest opinions and teachings, but the overwhelming emphasis is on the general matter of the Spirit led them, the Spirit limited them. Very few would pause and study the Word and seek the Lord and ask, why is the Holy Spirit mentioned here? and especially to inquire, what is the significance of the term the Spirit of Jesus? Where does this come from? What does this mean? And an indication that this is seriously lacking in traditional common theology is the opposition directed at us for exploring these matters and presenting the divine revelation concerning them. It was a characteristic of Watchman Nee's ministry and Witness Lee's ministry to take nothing for granted, to check everything in traditional teaching by the Scriptures, to live a life of being fully opened 
to be enlightened by the light of life in reading the scriptures. And this led to what I would have to recall a recovery and a fresh presentation of what has been there in the New Testament for 2,000 years. What, dear listeners, you are receiving in this broadcast is a ministry of recovered, crucial truths. This is why I say again, in particular, I recommend the study, the careful, exacting, prayerful study of Message 44 of the Life Study of Acts to see the development of Witness Lee's thought. And then you turn to the Scriptures again and seek the Lord afresh. And my hope is you will join us in rejoicing in the Lord on the light from His Word concerning the significance of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus. I share this sincerely in the Holy Spirit and according to the all-inclusive Spirit of Jesus. It is interesting to note that as this Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, forbidding, not allowing, really directing behind the scenes, of course, the goal and destiny that the the Lord had in mind for Paul and his co-workers at that time was Europe and to bring the gospel and God's economy for the first time to the obviously significant and strategic continent of Europe. The chapters that are ahead of us are going to unfold this uh, in a marvelous way. It'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to stay tuned. Not only interesting, but worthwhile, enlightening, and life-imparting. Well, we hope that you'll be back with us for our next program as we continue to delve into Paul's second missionary journey as he goes into the significant and key cities in Europe. A lot of insight and profound truth awaits us in the Life Study of Acts as we go on. We hope you'll join us program by program. If you'd like to get information about how to receive the printed version of these messages, you can contact us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. We'll also be glad to tell you how you can read them online free of charge. Again, our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.